Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Neil White. This is the big interview with Graham Hunter. Graham Hunter is here. So too is Pete Jensen of La Liga Television. We have questions from our socios, those listeners who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Graham, Pete, let's start this Q&A episode by following up on an issue we have covered more than once since we started these shows. Yesterday, Valencia beat Real Madrid 1-0, a result that all but excuses Valencia from the relegation fight. But that wasn't nearly the story of the day. Vinicius Jr. was the target of more racist abuse he stopped the game at one point to identify an individual culprit from the in the in the crowd. He was sent off in injury time for his part in a confrontation between players from both sides. After the game, his manager Carlo Ancelotti said, "What we saw today is unacceptable." An entire stadium chanting racist slurs. I don't want to talk about football today. There is no meaning in talking about football today. I told the referee he should have stopped the match. La Liga has a problem. Uh, they followed statements from La Liga and Valencia. I'm sure you guys have seen them. You can talk about them. Um, Graham Vinicius then took to social media to make his own statement. Yeah, he did. Listen, for for those who join us now, uh, who either didn't see the match, see what Vinicius tried to do to somebody who was recently abusing him, and for those who haven't followed the really dramatic, really depressing, really sad events on on social media. Uh, I think it is, I think you're right, it's worth reading out that Vinicius uh, used social media to say the championship that once belonged to Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Cristiano and Messi today belongs to racists. It wasn't the first time, nor the second or the third that this has happened to me. He says racism is normal. In La Liga. The competition thinks it's normal. The federation does too, and the opponents encourage it. A beautiful nation which welcomed me and which I love, but which is agreeing to export the image of a race image of a racist country to the world. Now, I'm sorry for those Spaniards who don't agree with me, but today in Brazil, Spain is known as a country of racists. And unfortunately, against everything that goes on every week, I can't defend myself. But I'm strong and I will go to the end against racists, even if that end happens to be far from here. That was followed immediately by the head of La Liga criticising Vinicius in for his tone and his words and saying that La Liga have um, twice tried to have meetings with him 
And the head of La Liga has then said that either Vinicius or those around him were victims of a misapprehension that La Liga don't care or aren't doing enough. And the timing was was deeply, um, unfortunately, deep, deeply wrong because rather than the head of La Liga coming out and explicitly stating that he, the organisation, everybody that works for it, are implacably opposed to racism and will work to the, the full limit of anything that they can do to protect any player who's being abused in that way. The story becomes um, muddied a little bit by the fact that Vinicius then responds to him and says, I want punishment for these people. I want action. This is not a forum where you and I are friends talking about racism and racially abused all the time. Hashtags and campaigns don't appease me. I want punishment. I want actions. And I think that any reasonable person would see it from the point of Vinicius that this is happening repeatedly. And I think it's a, a, a hugely, I'll stop now so that MP can talk, um, but I think it's a hugely inflammatory part of this situation that something that is utterly intolerable and which is wrong is not only happening every week, but in my view, we are consistently seeing opponents on the pitch who either act out of racism or who use the situation which is constantly volcanic and which has provoked Vinicius into entering most games with uh, a boiling mood and his chin stuck out and I won't put up with this. And opponents on the pitch are, are either consistently letting their, this, their, their lack of respect for a, a talented black player show or else they're simply using the situation to try and destabilise him and... and that was a central part of the actions at Mustaya, in my view. Um, I can say last night we're recording on Monday morning. So it's a, it's it, 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 the the overall situation, and particularly what happened at Mustaya. It, it's 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 already hugely complicated. I think it's been increased in complication by the polemic nature of some of the words for and against. You know the incendiary nature of, of social media, but the central issue is is, is as plain as day, is as simple as anything. A brilliant young foreign black man who improves all our lives, who gives us joy and who has the right to be left in peace and not racially abused at his workplace, whether he was a tuppenny hapenny left full back who who knocks opponents into touch because he doesn't have ability, or whether he's one of the most exciting players, not just now, but of the last 20 years. He, he has every right to say this situation is intolerable, not enough is being done, and I am being made into a, a victim because that's that's the pure and simple truth of what's happening. Pete, it's interesting in the statement that Vinicius made um, initially that he mentioned the opponent. Graham's just done so there as well, talking about what was happening on the pitch at Mestaya and the motivations of, of the players. You've spoken eloquently about this subject before, and you mentioned that one place where real change could be enacted would be from the players of the opponent of the opposing team and, and the actions that they don't take but could take 
um, during matches in regards to uh, instances like this? Yeah, it's something we don't really see. I mean, we don't we don't see it enough from Vinicius's teammates, and we don't see it at all really from from the rival players. Um, I think Graham's right when he says that the, the tone is set before before the game even kicks off, and um, and there's film and, and audio that, that's come out um, subsequently um, of Vinicius arriving at Mestaya uh, yesterday afternoon, and um, and people are singing Vinicius Edison Mono, Vinicius, you're a monkey, and it's not just one person. Um, Neither is it everyone, and I think Ancelotti was mistaken to say I've never heard racist chanting from a whole stadium because it wasn't the whole stadium. The whole stadium was singing Tonto, not Mono, which means stupid and not monkey. Um, but it was a large section of, 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 those Venici- of those Valencia supporters outside the Mestalla when Real Madrid arrived um, before the game last night who were singing uh, Vinicius Edis and Mono, Vinicius you're a monkey and we've seen this before it happened before the Atletico Madrid game um, uh, outside the stadium as the, as, as the, as the players arrive um, in terms of the position that La Liga take La Liga say it's not in our jurisdiction to, to prosecute all we can do is, is denounce all we can do is send Audio Vizio uh, evidence to the authorities, and then it's and then it's up to them to take action, um, which is starting to sound like a little bit of a get out because it's their competition. When UEFA close stadiums, they don't have to consult the EU before they do it because the Champions League is their competition, and they take the view that it's uh, racist abuse is inaccept- unacceptable, and therefore, if a club is is found guilty of that, um, then stadiums are closed, and that's the way it has to happen. The only way out of this is if there is evidence um, and with the camera, the, the, the quantity of cameras and, and microphones that there are in stadium, it's not difficult for there to be evidence. If there is evidence that a player has been racially abused, then the stadium has to be shut. The team, the team has to play behind closed doors and not in a year's time when we've had, um, you know, when, when a case has sort of rumbled on and everyone's forgot about it because that totally takes away the impact of, 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 of the punishment. It has to happen in the next game. So, and, and it's, not, it's not the Valencia supporters' um, fault, and, 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 and it will be to a certain extent uh, uh, hard justice for, for them if they can't then go to the next game. But it is the only way you solve the problem because as soon as the league says um, to, the, to the club in question, your next game is behind closed doors, then that club loses a match day's revenue and in a heartbeat, it will take immediate action to identify those responsible and ban them for life, not ban them for six months or for two years, ban them for life. Um, and it's the only way that, that, that you'll make progress. Um, and I, one thing La Liga can do is, we're coming to the end of the season now, so they can make it clear from the start of next season that incidents like those that happened on Sunday um, to, um, with Vinicius as the victim, when that happens, the following home game, that team will play behind closed doors. If there is sufficient audiovisual proof there has been racist abuse to a player, the next game will be behind closed doors. Match revenue lost, uh, the shame that it will bring on the club as well. And you watch how the clubs will deal with the problem because, because it's the clubs that can, can, can deal with the problem because they can ban... Uh, those responsible for life um, 
but they need to they need to be punished by La Liga then they will they will punish those responsible and you, you will eradicate it from football we can't eradicate it from society uh, I, I don't like Vinicius the, the, the phrase Spain is a racist country um, I don't I don't think that helps the situation either and you, you but you can't eradicate racism unfortunately from society but football can eradicate it from football and you can eradicate it from football stadiums um, and I, as I say I don't really understand why La Liga can't take action it's their competition um, and they I'm not sure they can go on stepping back from the situation and saying listen all we can do is 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 hand over the the audiovisual evidence to the authorities and wait to see what they do. Graham, you um, mentioned that you know we are still right off the back of this, less than twelve hours since the game ended. I think at this point, but does it seem different this time to you? Do you think that we uh, like a line's been crossed and that change is, is maybe coming this time or not? Change? No, no, it, it doesn't feel like that. So where where it does feel different is that, uh, and this has been coming for months because I I. I won't make individual assertions and call some of the opposition players I've watched and referees I've watched treat Vinicius the way they do. I'm not going to say they're racist because, you know, the rule of law still counts and I have no absolute proof. But I consistently see opponents treat Vinicius in a way that says either I know what I can do in order to destabilise you and increase the chances of you being sent off. I see referees and the last night's referee is an outright exception. I thought that when Vinicius tried to gain an advantage tried to uh, fool him he saw through it and was not biased by it and when Vinicius on the pitch needed some support up until the sending off, he got that. But there, there's one particular referee who I've seen the most outrageous knee-high challenge on Vinicius not only be ignored right under the referee's nose, but when Vinicius complained. And and for me, it, it was a red card and a six-game ban. The referee then booked Vinicius for complaining. And that's a microcosm of what we're seeing. This is Maffeo, is it? Mafeo's tackle, Mafeo's mm-hmm. tackle in Mallorca was leg stretched out, studs onto the knee. It was the absolute archetype of what any talented football, any footballer needs to be protected against. A throw in was given, and Vinicius pr- protested about it, and uh, I was booked. And part of the reason he was booked was that the the other players from the Mallorca team surrounded him and pushed him and, and bullied him and, and, and literally came very close to a physical assault. And when he was reacting to that and was infuriated, he was booked. This is like, uh, this that's outright wrong. And, and last night, again, you talked about crossing a line, Neil, and therefore... I cannot state that Mamadashvili acted in a racist way or Hugo Duro acted in a racist way because that requires outright evidence. 
What I will say is that if you're in the position of either being Vinicius or being any black footballer um, and you watch what happens in the incident where he's sent I mean, first of all, you said we're fresh off the back of Not everybody will have watched it. So there's a moment when Real Madrid are attacking, when Vinicius goes behind the goal and calls to whatever authorities he can see uh, to the right. And many of the people listening to this around the world will go to games where there are there are not only vastly more stewards, but better trained stewards and vastly more police presence than, than there was at Mustai last night. And Vinicius does something which I I think was only not only uh, brave, but 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 just and and one of the ways forward and one of the ways in which audiovisual or pure video evidence can help supply the proof that Pete's talking about the close stadiums and that Vinicius goes in a stadium which is extremely volatile and hostile. The atmosphere we we normally celebrate because Mestalla is one hell of a place to go and compete. And I've been closer to the situation than I was last night when I remember Arsenal playing there um, when I was still working in England. And Arsenal's Patrick Vieira downstairs in, in, in the press area saying that he'd never in his life suffered anything like that before. And he was quivering, literally physically quivering with rage. There's, there's no way I'm saying that Mustaya is week in, week out, automatically a racist place or that it's the same people. But Vinicius does something that Arsenal's black players either didn't or didn't feel able to do that night in the Champions League. Vinicius went and pointed and said, it's this guy. It's that guy right there. Look, and the trajectory of where he was aiming meant that this guy was about six rows away from him, maybe. And th- there, was some, there was some pretty horrible things in that Gaia, a magnificent footballer, and if you meet him and talk to him, a perfectly decent guy, tries to go, goes to Vinicius, does the opposite of what Pete and you were talking about, tries to pull Vinicius' arm down, tells him to stop it. Now, in the heat of a game, you can do stupid things. It might be, particularly seeing as Gaia spoke really eloquently afterwards about it being outright wrong for the supporters of his club to, to racially abuse any footballer. He, he, he did... I think talking to live television after the match, Gaia, I hope, expressed the true nature of his personality, where he spoke out against what was happening to Vinicius from the stands. But in that moment, he was saying, stop it, stop it, don't do that. And that's the point at which the, the protocol from La Liga comes into action. The abuses report to the referee, the referee goes to the match delegate, the, the stadium says, stop your racist abuse. And, and that's the point at which a line is crossed. You know, the victim says, it's you. It's difficult to do if you feel on your own. It's difficult to do if you feel that lots of other things outside your your dignity and your social rights are at stake, and, and they are. But he does it. And I believe that he was in the right to do it. I'm trusting that he was identifying somebody who racially abused him, which I think we have to trust. And it's 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 later in the game when when Ancelotti post match reports that Vinicius said I, I I want to play it I don't want to come off but again eminently brave and it's another debate and it may come up in this section guys about whether it would have been helpful or 
indeed the right thing for Real Madrid to, to call all their players off the pitch. I personally think that my heart would have soared. I think that would have been a complimentary asset in this fight against racist abuse to what Peter talked about in terms of closing stadiums. But I want to make a point here about the player behaviour when Vinicius is sent off. It, it's, it's so pressing to have to say that it, it comes from maybe the, the best moment of the match where the Georgian keeper for Valencia, Mamadas really makes the most incredible save in an underdog relegation threatened 1-0 holding on what proves to be a win and Mamadas really having played brilliantly makes the save of his life ball goes out for a corner then a couple of typical things happen Yunus Musa picks the ball up about you know halfway two-thirds of the way from the right-hand goalpost to the corner flag Yunus Musa picks the ball up and is trying to waste a bit of time Rudiger comes over and, and quite rightly, I do the same. Takes the ball from him and pushes him, and Yunus Musa goes down. And Vinicius is in the vicinity, and he's looking down at Yunus Musa. He hasn't participated in the action. At that stage, he's done nothing. Mamadashvili sprints from his goal like a maniac at Vinicius, not a Rudiger, but at Vinicius, who's done nothing. Now, I, 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 I make certain, I draw certain implications from that. You know, there's no proof, but I know what I think Mama Daspili was thinking. And I, my opinion is it's the same as the people in the stands who were abusing Vinicius. And he goes at him. And at that stage, he it, 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 it gives off all the image of not somebody who wants to go nose to nose and shout at him. It looks like he's going to do Vinicius damage. There's the big Rami, as we would say in Scotland, bring the, the merest smile into this during which, in order to, I don't know what, but in, you know the, the way in which chokeholds are used on black men in the States to their to the threat of their life, Ugodoro's got his full arm crooked around Vinicius's throat. Now, as the whole thing separates, Ugodoro, as he, as he gradually takes this chokehold off Vinicius, leans in, has a go at him, and Vinicius lashes out with his forearm, and, and bumps Ugo Duro. Mama Dasvili isn't sent off. Ugo Duro isn't sent off. But Vinicius is. And if the referee and assistants were overwhelmed in the moment, I can understand that. Why did VAR only uh, punish Vinicius? It's outright wrong. It's a plain as day miscarriage of justice. And if you were on the if you were Vinicius on this podcast, he would state why he thought that happened. And I think we've got intelligent enough uh, listeners to draw their own conclusions for why it happened. But it happens again and again and again and again and again and again. It's, it, it's disgusting. It's time for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the new champions of Spain, FC Barcelona. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Okay, we're back to talk about football. Uh, let's focus on the new champions of La Liga, FC Barcelona. We have questions from our socios, those listeners who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. And the first of two on FC Barcelona is Andy Cochran. Andy, thank you so much for getting in touch. Andy says, if Barca can sort their finances, a big if, do you think Xavi can take them up to another level? Will they be able to improve in Europe? And a simple sounding question, guys, I guess, takes in some rather complex issues, the kind of... um tug of war between the the financial state the club's in and the the seemingly strong position it's in uh, in terms of what's happening on the pitch in the league of the season. Pete, do you want to start us off? I think Xavi's been hugely impressive this season. I think he he made changes to the way Barcelona played at the right time, the first Clasico of the season. Um, they were taken apart by Real Madrid and, and, and he immediately changed the, the way of playing. They stopped playing with, with two open wingers and, and started playing with a fourth midfielder. And I think defensively he's hugely improved them. They're much, much better as well. This The Spanish have a good word for it, replegue, which basically means the, the speed at which you get back into position having lost the ball. If you're not going to be capable of winning it back, you know, in those in those first five seconds high up the pitch, the speed of of of, of getting back into into your own half, and I think they would have been better in Europe had they not been without Araujo and um, and Kunde for for key games. So I, I have every confidence, based on what I've seen this season from from Xavi, um, that um, given the right tools, he will make them better in Europe and more competitive. Obviously, that that's a huge question, though. It's a huge but. Will he be given? Will he be given the right tools? Um, the prospect of Messi returning is great for the coffers. Um, there are some um, quite outlandish figures that have been bandied around today. I think it's Diario Sport saying that Barcelona will make two hundred thirty million a season more if Messi returns because of. Uh, I think they've put it down as eighty million euros more in terms of match day revenue and 150 million more in terms of um, increased sponsorship from his return I don't know I don't know where these figures have come from to me they they seem ex- exaggerated in the extreme we know he w- his return will will be lucrative and it will be money into the club but I don't see it as uh, to that extent um, but I think that's the prime motivation for bringing him back uh, I hope he comes back it'll be a wonderful end to his career if he does return but I don't think the the, the prime motivation is a sporting one um, and I think it will be difficult for Xavi next season in European competition to accommodate Lewandowski and Messi he was Barcelona were having trouble accommodating Messi and Suarez and that was 
two or three seasons ago. So that's going to be a challenge for him. Um, but if, if they can operate if well in the transfer market, and I think they did very well last summer, I think apart from Bayer in, pretty much every player that um, Matteo Aliman brought into the club contributed something. Even Kessier with the goal in the class, second Classico, everyone contributed something to them winning the league. Uh, and Matteo Aliman having had his um, um, return ticket from, from Birmingham and, and uh, putting one foot inside Aston Villa and then deciding that actually now I'm staying in uh, Barcelona. That's good news for the club. So I do think um, that um, they can push on in Europe next season. Maybe the hardest thing of all will be retaining their title without the benefit of the Camp Nou playing in Montjuic in front of 49,000 and 20,000 of those tourists because they've only allowed 22,000 of their own uh, season ticket holders to, to take season tickets for next season. That that may be more difficult, but the challenge will be Europe. And I think Xavi's got the, he's shown enough this season to suggest that he will make them stronger and more competitive in the Champions League. Neil, Andy's, Andy's question goes right to the nub of it. You know, 90% of what Pete said, I, I don't just agree with. I think it's a thoroughly, you know, a forensic analysis of what Xavi's done well. And the question about can he take him to the next level is one that, that troubles me. I've got no um I have I, I've got no doubt about Chavi's ability or the fact that um he's he's at an extraordinarily early stage of his career to be tasked with confronting all the, the huge, huge obstacles. It's many miraculous, never mind how Real Madrid or Atleti played. Um or else, that matter. It's many miraculous to achieve what he's achieved set against the the utter anarchic chaos of the club he he works at. But um, again, directly related to Andy's question, what I've watched in in most of the recent weeks has left me extremely confused. I don't often um, admit to that, but I I think they've played really well. Only about three or four times this season. I personally don't think they've played really well since January and a Super Cup win. I think that the all the best performances of Chavis Barcelona have came last season, last spring. They've never even sniffed that level of fluency and coordination and team play. Now, having achieved that once, often with, with different players in the Adama's not there anymore. Aubameyang's not there anymore. Dani Alves um, was playing then too. There have been um, significant changes. Um, I, I look at what's, what, how they've played in recent weeks and you try to factor in the fact that there was a World Cup mid-season. You try to take into account how many times players are playing when they're they're not just carrying um, pain or a knock, but aren't fully fit, haven't been at peak um, physical performance. And you think, okay, a clean summer, a proper pre-season, and, then, and, and new resources, let's rejudge. But the paucity of the, the passing and the movement, the lack of width, even though Pete's right, that, I mean, lack of width when, when they do have either two wingers or two wide men on the pitch, the, the way in which they increasingly look as if the things Pete praised are the only things they've got right at the moment. They, they'd look um, fractured. 
and one or two players are, are playing um, like automatically rather than with flair and brilliance and character. And you'd like to believe that that's a product of circumstances, but I'm left doubting. And therefore, Andy, I, I don't know. And, and I'll, I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I think if I were Chavi, I would tuck my credit in the bank. I'd say this has been a good season, but I'm not particularly impressed with the state the club's in. Um, I'm off to do something else with the with the personal knowledge. And Pete and I have talked about this. Um, it's it's a concept he's been toying with and working through. And um, you know, it, because it's Chavi's club, because he passionately cares about the club. I think that, and because he was equally stubborn when he was a footballer and there was the opportunities to leave and he was undervalued as, as a young player, he went, well, I'm toughing it out. I don't think he's probably going to do the same now. But I think the shrewd bet would be to say, credit in the bank, one full season, uh, two trophies, and say quietly to yourself, I'll be back when they're in a better financial situation, when Lil Messi has been and gone, when they're back playing at a renewed camp now, and you would bank on the fact that you'll always be offered that job by whoever is president, and that the, having walked out after one winning season, um, the door will always be open. Because I think there are some extremely tough, grimy seasons ahead when I'm not convinced that necessarily they're, they're going to have the situation or the momentum or the judgment around him or the or the playing resources to go up a level. That's a great macro analysis. And for our next question, Shane Hurley, so show Shane Hurley. Hi, Shane goes micro. My question for you both is about the departing club legend, Sergio Busquets in your very knowledgeable opinions. Should Barca look to directly fill that Busquets shaped hole or with the current makeup of the squad, should Xavi look for a different profile of player and an adjustment in formation. Jane suggests having three very solid centre-backs being joined by Inigo Martinez, a second pivot next to Frankie Gion, perhaps, in a 3-5-2. So I think you've covered the broad issues fantastically well, but how much of what happens next is down to post-Busquets? I think um, already this season they've moved towards that double pivot um, and Busquets has had the jong alongside him. And I think Xavi's plan, if they if they were to sign Messi and then maybe even if they don't is to have this sort of magic square as they call it in midfield where you've got effectively four players in in, in a square shape and two of them are, are in a defensive position two of them are in a more attacking position and if and if if Messi joins it will be him and, and, and Pedro in the top corners if you like of that square and De Jong and a new pivot um, in in the in the in the um, defensive corners of the of the square, so I, I think they're already moving towards that. Um, and actually, throughout Busquets' his, his career, I mean, if you think about Busquets' success with Spain, it often came with someone playing uh, alongside him, Xavi Alonso, most famously. Graham will, will be able to talk more, better about that than I can, having having followed Spain so closely through their golden era. Um, 
And the three at the back thing, well, Barcelona often play three at the back because Alejandro Baldi is such an attacking force from, from left back. So you, And particularly when you've got a centre-back playing at right back, it, it, it often looks more like a three anyway, um, with Kunde Araujo and, and Christensen and, and Baldi so high up the pitch. Um, he's impossible to replace. I, but I do think, however, that he's been a little bit of a liability in the Champions League for many seasons now. In part, not his fault because um, because he hasn't been protected with, with those around him. Um, the closest thing to him in La Liga, I'm convinced, is Zubi Mendy. And Zubi Mendy was brilliant um, on Saturday when Real Sociedad had got their first win in the Camp Nou for many, many years. Um, Barcelona can't afford Zubi Mendy. They're going to have to look elsewhere. Uh, cheaper options, they may be able to get Oriol Romeo out of Girona, who's um, a player who comes from Barcelona, will be a, a, certainly a cheaper option than Zubi Mendy. He's 31 already, but I think someone who will come in almost as a guarantee um, of being reliable in that position for two or three years, I don't think you necessarily have to go and find a 22-year-old who's going to be um, playing that position for the next 10 years. Guido Rodriguez is another sort of cheaper option and more experienced player. I really like Romeo and I think he's been sensational this season and he'd be in my team of the season in that very position. Um, they've tried Eric Garcia there. Um, it doesn't seem to completely convince Xavi though because um, it's sort of been tried once and not been tried again. But I think um, I think the question's right in terms of there's not going to be a new Busquets, forget about that. And it will be uh, Dijon plus one playing pretty much in a, in, a, in, a, in a double pivot in Barcelona's midfield next season. Graham, big interview yeah, favourite, Oriol Romeo coming back to Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, more, hello, Shino. Um this, this is a subject that comes up a lot when, we, when we're working in the Liga Studios. Uh, uh, 100% agreement with Pete. And we, we don't practice this. He's in my team of the season. He's been, I think, maybe the most transformative signing of any club in the Liga this season. He's playing at an extraordinary level. Um, you really noticed that they they missed him at the weekend when he was out suspended. It took Villarreal until the last seconds to score their their two one winner. And David Lopez got a goal and did okay until he was taken off, and they abandoned the idea of trying to uh, replace Oriol Romeo. I think um, Oriol would admit that. Um, his his brain, his 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 reading of matches are his. They, those are his strengths. He's athletic, not massively quick, and I think that it's often the case that Barcelona are playing a different. He's he has all the characteristics to be a a, a, a very reasonable facsimile of Sergio Busquets, but he's got some of the same difficulties in that. Um, Girona are not often caught massively overexposed. They're a very attacking team, but they attack. In a different way from football club Barcelona, and very often Barcelona's biggest problem is being is losing the ball and having to chase, turn and chase as another team counters. And Oriol Romeo has similar difficulties there to to Sergio Busquets. I think there's a the best facsimile. It's it's, it's fascinating that the, the problems of football club Barcelona prevented them going in and getting Jorginho when he moved for free or for a very very low fee. In, in, at Christmas, Jorginho is and has been for years the nearest version of Sergio Busquets anywhere in world football, and he's utterly, utterly brilliant. But the, 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 this question is the easiest one of the entire recording to answer because 
Chavis football, I don't think, resembles anything that, that Sergio Busquets grew up in. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's regularly looked exposed while his um, influence in the team has diminished. And Xavi is, is very keen to keep him and it's sad he's losing and asked him to stay because they think alike, because they are their soul brothers in terms of football. And because when Barcelona are on top of a team, team trying to unpick it, Sergio Busquets, none of the things that, that Sergio Busquets does in in that respect have diminished. But what has diminished is his, is his athletic ability, his physical ability to, to try and alter what he does so brilliantly to fit into the way that Barcelona play right now. Barcelona don't, aren't even attempting to play in a way that would have very well suited the young top of his talents, Sergio Busquets, right now. And it's chicken and egg, because if you have a 23-year-old Sergio Busquets, presumably then you construct the play differently, you sign differently, you build differently. Right now, for him personally, but also for the way in which Javi's evolved in the team, in my opinion, it's just an absolutely beautiful uh, metaphor for Sergio Busquets' entire attitude to, to tackling and passing, in that the timing of what he's done is not only perfect for him, in my opinion, it's perfect for the team too. Okay, that's today's show. Uh, thanks for being a part of it. We've got more questions and answers coming your way very soon. On behalf of Pete Jensen and Graham Hunter, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a bit. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.